Marini's Media. Fifteen hundred games for Warnock, COVID chaos at the Kassam, and David Dunn tells us about his Barrow Boys. This is the Totally Football League Show in association with Paddy Power. Hey there, listener. Hope you're keeping dry amidst this rain-sodden start to October. Matt Davis-Adams here to guide you through the latest transpirings in the English Football League. Now, before I introduce my guest, I want to read a tweet from the EFL pundit Gabriel Sutton. Last week, we spoke about a potential bailout from the government or the Premier League for EFL clubs suffering the consequences of the pandemic. Since then, up to the time of recording, nothing has happened. Here's Gabriel's tweet following Aston Villa's win on Sunday, which sums up the situation brilliantly. He says... Famous ABFC win inspired by Ollie Watkins, nurtured by Exeter, Jack Grealish, who was on loan at Notts County, Esri Konza, developed in League One with Charlton, Matty Cash, who went on loan to Dagenham, and Dean Smith, who cut his cloth at Walsall. We must save lower league clubs. Well said, Gabriel. On with the show then, joining me today, even by his standards, he watched a lot of football this weekend. It's the former Arsenal, Southend, etc. and so on winger Adrian mm-hmm. Clark. Good day, young man. Hello, yeah, sleeping's overrated. And, and yeah, well said, Gabriel. That was, that was a great tweet. I, I had to retweet that one myself. Uh, well said. Yeah. Uh, with Adrian, having spent the weekend battling the elements and traipsing up and down the motorways, he's no doubt pleased to be WFH today. It's the former Swindon Town and Moor striker, Sam Parkin. Hi, Sam. Good afternoon, Matt. Hello. And it's a Totally Football League show debut for our next pundit. You'll know her from BBC Radio 5 Live, BBC London and more. Watford fan and broadcaster extraordinaire. Hello, Emma Saunders. Hello, Matt. It, it's bittersweet. I've got to be honest. I'm delighted to be here, but it's mainly because my beloved Watford are now an EFL side once more. So, Have you actually been relegated from the Totally Football Show? Then? Well, this is it. I, I was going to find a more polite way to put it. I suppose <laughs> I'm, I'm following in Watford's footsteps, aren't I? In the, in the parallel world of Totally Football podcast. I've migrated from the Totally Football Show to the Totally Football League Show. There we go. Okay, same way, second tier. It's not the strongest start we've had from uh, a third pundit so far this season, but it can only get better from here. Um, So that's who's who. What about the performance of the weekend? That's on the way now. Performance of the weekend. Right, if you're new to this, we each pick an EFL team we think done a good football game and then make our case. Said case can't be made for more than 15 seconds, at which point we'll all have a jolly good laugh at the gong sound effect. Um, I'm going to go first. I've picked Bolton. Abby, set the timer for 15 seconds. So Bolton, bear with me here. Bolton needed that, you see. Five defeats on the spin in all comps before Saturday. Just one league goal score, but they put that behind them away to Harrogate. Delfonso and Doyle both opening their accounts, which is big. And it made Joe Crilly happy, which is nice. That wasn't fair. That wasn't anywhere near 15 seconds. I'm not saying... I'm not saying that there's slim pickings this weekend, but I managed to get to 10 seconds. And for eight of those seconds, I didn't <laughs> reference the game that I said was performance of the weekend. Um, Emma, you've chosen Preston. It's basically the, the perfect pick. I'm expecting you to do better. Uh, your 15 seconds start now. Bravery and bottle. They were the words of Alex Neal after this one. God knows what he said at half time. In fact, God knows what he says most of the time. But anyway, four goals in an 18 minute second half blitz away at Brentford came back from two behind and won their first game of the season. Wow, that's pretty good. Only a second second or two out. And uh, if you are listening, Alex Neal, I don't endorse what Emma said about uh, the clarity of your vocabulary because as regular listeners will know, I am terrified of you. Do you know what that was? That was professional broadcasting there from Emma. 
to, to hit the gong right on, right, right on yeah. the nose and not five seconds early. And there, yeah. was, a, and there was a low in there as well, gags as well. I can't follow that. Okay, I get the dig, Clarky. You don't have to follow it, Sam. Adrian, bear in mind you've got nowhere near a victory at any point during this feature, which has run for a good month now. Let's see if you can do any better this week. Portsmouth are your specialist subject. Yeah, what a way for Kenny Jacket to get the Boo Boys off his back with a brilliant 4-2 win at Burton. 18 shots, 7 on target. Who was it that called them boring? And it's all topped off by Marcus Harness hat-trick against his old club, featuring a back heel and a Cruyff slash dink. What? The standard wow. has noticeably improved uh, this week from Mr. Clark. Sam, a bit of pressure on you now. Uh, uh, you've chosen Reading, mainly to have a pop at Emma, I think, but uh, your 15 seconds in which to do so start now. Yeah, four wins from four against much fancied Watford. Limited them just just a few chances. Three clean sheets from four games. Tom Holmes' first start since 6th of March 2018. Outstanding. Been on loan in Belgium. Sonia Luco in from the cold. Excellent. No jail, no problem. Puskas, goal! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. At the Totally Show on Twitter is the place to go and cast your vote. Listener, off you pop. We'll meet you in the championship. This news just in, listeners. The Athletic is extending its £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts for just a quid. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash league show. listening to the totally football league show sponsored by paddy power and part of the athletic podcast network championship headlines reading and bristol city remain perfect after wins at the weekend against watford and forest sabri lamushi has been sacked by nottingham forest sabri lamushi remains in charge of nottingham forest sabri lamushi has walked out on nottingham forest delete is appropriate depending on when you're listening uh, derby picked up their first points of the season thanks to rooney he's done it Wayne Rooney's done it! What a free kick from Derby County's captain! Preston came back from two goals down to be Brentford 4-2 and Neil Warnock celebrated his 1500th match as a manager. Before Borough bested Barnsley, he said, the sooner we get fans back, the better. I like to get booed at least one more time before I retire. I'll oblige you with that now, Neil. Boo! Uh, we'll start a look back at the weekend's action at the Madstad. Reading maintaining their perfect start while simultaneously ending Watford's unbeaten run. George Puskas with the only goal. Uh, we'll get Royal imminently, but seeing as we've got a metaphorical Hornet with us. Uh, Emma, what have you made of your mob so far this season and in this game in particular? Um, generally speaking, yes. If you'd offered me seven points at this stage, I think... A lot of Watford fans would agree they'd have taken it. You know what it's like when a team gets relegated. It can be a bit of a mishmash squad, take you a little while to get going. Got another new manager as well, although that's not that unusual, is it, at Watford? This game specifically, I didn't cover for Watford. I was on BBC reporting duties. But the last game I did do for Watford was the win over Luton. Got to get that in somewhere. And uh, I was speaking to Ben Foster after the game. He came to the studio and um, we did an interview with him. And I think he might have said this off mic, actually, but... He his only concern was that Watford are creating a lot but aren't necessarily finishing enough and that it might come back to haunt us at some point. And I think that was the case 
this weekend. Started really well. I think there was, in the first three minutes alone, three balls into the six-yard box. James Garner smacking the woodwork with that free kick. Score that, different game. I think especially scoring a goal like that, it would have been an absolute stunner. It would have set them alight. But unfortunately, Reading then scored. But credit where credit's due, they were better than us on set pieces. Uh, James Garner, again, I think he's been doing his best in that role. But he's very young. He's got a lot of potential, I think, for what we've seen already from him. He could be as good as Daniel Terja, the the player we had on set pieces when the year we got promoted. But he is young. He is inexperienced. There's a few heads in there that are the same. So I think on the whole, we've looked very tight. The three at the back seems to be working, but we just need to score more. And actually, Adrian, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. It's all very well having Ismail Assar and João Pedro playing up top for Watford. It's very excited, but... Against Reading, the wide areas, it just wasn't working. We were having to play through the middle with João Pedro and Ismail Assar. I think that's perhaps when a number nine might be more useful. But what's your take well, on Well, you had one on the bench, didn't you, in, in Glenn Murray? So, yeah, mm. I, I think if you're going to play two up front, it would make complete sense to have Murray alongside one of those two. It, you know, João Pedro, we know, has got good movement. Saar can can operate in the wide areas, can't he? So, yeah, I think I think using Murray as a pivot with some quickies or with some, some good energy around him might might be the way forward. Obviously, you've got Troy Deeney as well that, that can come in when he's fit and available. But yeah, look, he's gone with that. It didn't really click. Um, I would expect him to yeah bring in a target man to, to the team very soon. What about Vladimir Ivic then, then, Emma? What can you tell us about him and, and how's he been received at the club and by Watford supporters so far? Well, he's saying all the right things. Um, due to the restrictions now on a match day, I've actually I've not met him at all in the flesh. He's very much in the red zone, as we now say. And um, as everyone on this show will know, we're all restricted to the amber zone, which means we don't really get near the players or the coach. But he understands the core values of the club, which I think is always nice for the, the fans to hear. And um, I think so far, so good from a tactical point of view. Like I said, the three at the back seems to be working really nicely. And he keeps echoing this point that he's only interested in players that want to play 100% for this team, for this badge, which I think is a really, really important message at this stage for Watford fans after the way that they were relegated last season. There are a lot of fans questioning that. Um, so, so far, so good. Sam, lest we forget, Reading actually won this game. Best start to a season since 85-86 for them. We've always been big believers in, in the Velko Panovic project on, <laughs> on this show. Um, is, is this something that they can maintain, do you think? Or is it just one of those anomalies at the start of a season? Um, I don't really think the squad depth is there. But I have been really impressed. It's an unbelievable start. I think in, in all departments, really. Played a little bit with the the handbrake on, I think, under Mark Bowen. He's just freed that up. But within that, I think uh, Rinomota and Laurent in particular have given them a really nice platform, the front players to go and play. But the story on, on, on Saturday, I think Emma summed it up really well. But I think the two players coming in from the cold, Holmes was on loan in the Belgian third tier, I think, um, most recently. Sonny Aluko's not been fancied by the last few managers. To bring those two in and get them up to speed and get the right attitude and performance from them shows that he's doing something right in the early weeks in terms of his man management. But I just think across the piece, from set pieces, they look dangerous. They look defensively strong. But yeah, to do it up against it without some of their talisman from the opening weeks of the season was a, a magnificent result. So I don't see them being automatic contenders, but a huge improvement of, of la from last season is certainly in the offing. 
cheeky little stat for you, which I sort of had to sort of double check because it, it didn't really make sense. But table topping Reading at a bottom of the league when it comes to shots, just 7.3 efforts on goal per game. So it's been an efficient start from, from the Royals. Yeah, so, so maybe that's a, an indicator that, that right now they're hot, but, but maybe they need to create a bit more moving forward. Speaking of Reading, by the way, they've signed Alpha Semedo on a season loan from Benfica. He was at Forest last season. Uh, speaking of which, every week I plead with producer Abby to not have to talk about the two-time European champions. And every week she shakes her head like a brutal dictator, ignoring the pleas of a desperate peasant for clemency. Where was I? Oh, the team I support and their overall crumminess. Uh, Sam, they lost 2-1 to Bristol City. It was their best performance of the season, but they still lost the match and, and we're kind of checking our Twitter feeds constantly to see if there's any Sabri news. Uh, he can't survive this, can he? I'd like to think he will. Yeah, I want to stay strong to, to Sabri. We loved him last season. It wasn't long ago that he was signing a new contract and people like you, Matt, were all over him. So let's just relax. He's brought in, what, 14 new players. Had, uh, obviously, a problem at centre-half at the weekend. Opted to play Blackett and that backfired a little bit because Chris Martin had an outstanding game and involved in the goals. So maybe he got that decision slightly wrong. But considering he's had the opportunity to bring in all these players, I'd like to give him a little bit of time because the performance was there, as you say. Um, 21 shots, seven on target. Bentley was absolutely on fire. In every game this season, Bristol City have had the majority of chances and the majority of shots in every encounter. Certainly wasn't the case at the weekend. It was a bit of a smash and grab. So, you know, there was positives to take from the performance and and yeah of course I'd like to see a manager afforded uh, you know a bit more time and we, we don't get to see that in the modern game which is which is sad well what's your take on this Emma because you're you're in a similar <laughs> position to me in supporting a team who churn through managers at, at a fairly ludicrous rate do you think here and of course Sabri Lamushi, according to him post-match turned down Watford last year so it could have been a very different situation but but should Forrest be sticking with him well, that's news to me. I, and yeah, you're right. As a Watford fan, it's not often I can point the finger in these situations when we're talking turnover of managers. But when he was appointed, um, he was what? Your 13th boss in eight years. I just think it's very easy, isn't it? After the start that they've had to think, right, let's use this two week break now to sort the situation, to bring a new man in. But Sam's touching it there. They've brought in what? 12 different signings. Um, he signed his new contract, didn't he? In July. So I think he probably just needs a little bit of time to sort it out. Don't forget, this is what I always come back to in these situations and how I would have justified Watford if they'd started in a similar kind of way. Fulham, I think, took five matches to win a game in 27-18. And I think they were something like 17th in November before they went on that 23-game unbeaten run, wasn't it? So I think it's easy to point at this narrative of a hangover possibly following the disappointment of missing out with that collapse on the last day of the championship last season. But... Yeah, I think he'll get time. I think he'll get time over the international break and you may well see a bit more of a together Nottingham Forest side on the other side of the two weeks. Adrian, do you think that the players have got an important part to play here? As in, if they are still behind him, he's more likely to keep his job. You must have been in, in similar situations in your playing days. Yeah, I mean, some some will be behind him and others will be dead against him. Those that are, that are sort of out in the cold at the moment. That's the, that's the same in any dressing room up and down the country, the key thing to remember is most of the current lineup are his new signings. So they 
they've got every motivation to, to go out and deliver for him. I, I thought it was much, much better from Forrest. You know, it, it was it was the Dan Bentley show. They were, they were very unfortunate. I think if he gets sacked off the back of that, it would be very harsh. So, yeah, let, let him get, give the new look, Forrest, a, a bit of time to gel. I, yeah, I, I see no reason why why you guys can't, can't recover. I, I really don't. It's important oh. to say that the, the malaise started well before the start of this season, isn't it? I think it's 20 games, just the three victories. And we did critique them heavily uh, after the collapse at the back end of last season. So I can understand the, the supporters. But again, it's just such a crazy time at the moment. I'd like to see, I don't know, change for the better at the moment and just have a bit more loyalty. I know it might not happen, but just hold back and see if these new players, which showed signs of recovery at the weekend, can get it right. And what about the... Look, we, we, we haven't mentioned the C word, have we? Uh, COVID so far in the podcast. But in this world of COVID, sacking managers is financial suicide, isn't it, really? You, you've got to be really desperate to get rid of a gaffer to, to then pay them off and bring someone else in when the finances are so, so perilous. So I'm actually expecting um, a, a lot fewer dismissals in the coming weeks. In the case of Lamushi, that that might be uh, slightly different in that he claims he's got an offer on the table from a club in Qatar. So it, it might be that Forrest get away without having to pay him any compo if they do get rid of him and he goes there. Um, Sam, you've been holding on for a while to tell us how Dean's got Brizzle firing so successfully so far this season. Maybe rode their luck a little bit in this game, but they have been really impressive so far. Yeah, they have been. I've already touched on kind of the, the shot data and the chances that they've been creating as seen them deservedly win the, the previous matches. But yeah, they were very fortunate the weekend. I think there's different areas of the pitch where I've been really impressed. I think the confidence to put Backington into the midfield, a position where they struggled last season, I think has been an inspired decision. Breaking up play, he's got poise on the ball as well. I think Martin really bolsters the, the front line when you think of Jiju and Naki Wells in comparison to what they had at the back end of last season. I think me and Adrian were quite scathing that the options of probably Deju and um, Vyman for a large portion of the season, I think that's much improved. A good back three. Uh, and of course, this morning, this afternoon, we can't not talk about the goalkeeper who's in outstanding form as well. So I don't think there's been a great deal in terms of the style of play. I think that um, a certain individual's uh, in positions that needed strengthening, he's got bang on and he's getting results. Um, yeah, and, and Patterson and Vyman's the other note I've written down to put them as two number eights in a in a team is is very offensive, is a bold move. And at the moment, it, it's paying off. So it looks like a, a great decision. But like Sabri Lamushi, we just have to hold on. Hopefully, you know, um, he holds on, but also with Dean Holden, we just need to wait and see where they are after 10 games before we start going mental. <laughs> um, while we're with you Sam you were in I was going to say sunny South Wales it definitely was not sunny South Wales this weekend South Wales on Saturday for Swansea's win against Millwall uh, that Bidwell goal probably my favourite goal of the weekend in the EFL <laughs> really clever what else can you tell us about the game it was very wet the <laughs> first half was dreadful in saying that it was kind of Millwall's back three doing what they do in the first half frustrating Swansea they couldn't kind of connect their midfield and strikers mill on the counter-attack. So it was a bit underwhelming. And then just 
uncharacteristically bad defending from Millwall for the two goals. First one, an individual mistake from Romeo. And the second one, too many players drawn to the first ball from a free kick, leaving Jamal Lowe, I think it was, uh, free to start an almighty scramble. In between, Bradshaw did score for, for Millwall, but it was really uncharacteristic uh, from the Lions. And I suppose it showed a different strand to, to Swansea in that they won ugly. And Steve Cooper said as much after the game. Um, so I think that's a big positive for them in what is quite a new side, really, when you see what they've put together. And I think to, to conclude on, on both sides, they've had the opportunity to bring in a striker, Swansea, uh, Guy Carez from Brighton on loan, who by all accounts had a lot of suitors from various championship clubs. So probably the Graham Potter factor there. So he could be the man to add some more goals to their front line. And Millwall, it's the lack of creativity and the lack of goals to complement what Jed Wallace gives them. It's going to be such a uh, burden on him to continue what he's been doing so great for the last 18 months. So I think if they could get someone in today, and I think Gary Rowett said as much, that would be wonderful, even though Troy Parrott is there and obviously not had much of an opportunity yet. So yeah, I think that could be really defining for Swansea. They've got a striker in. Millwall currently haven't added those goals. Sam, I just wanted to pick up on what you said there because I was at the den for Millwall against Stoke City on the opening day. A goalless draw, not a huge amount to take from it. Apart from, I do remember um, in summarising the game in my match report, making the point that there was such an apparent lack of creativity in that Millwall side going forward and that there was a lot of hope that Troy Parrott would be the answer, but it does seem that he's really struggling um, on an injury front so how critical do you think it is that they get another creative player and someone else to do the job that Jed Wallace does so well to make sure that they don't get unstuck I suppose in that area this season I think there's there's a collection of players there like uh, Mahoney and and Bennett who have shown flashes but it's just not consistent enough and I think when you have Matt Smith in the side as well the tendency is just to go so long and they have a really nice balance to the way they play now Millwall they can try and play through midfield and they can also put balls in in early and and, and play on the counter attack so I think Gary Rowett he he kind of batted it away when he was asked the question pre-match about adding to the squad but I think secretly he would love another creative player malumbi has been rumoured to be coming back from Brighton, who did wonderfully well last year. And I think if he could get one more proven goal scorer before the window shuts, then it puts Mill in a really strong position to get into those playoffs. But if not, could be talking about, you know, some struggles at stages this season from what I witnessed at the weekend. Uh, elsewhere, Norwich going down 1-0 at home to Derby. Adrian, you've told us that Philip Cocker is just keeping the seat warm for, for Wayne Rooney. Rooney might have ensured that he doesn't get to sit there for, for a little while yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a great winner, wasn't it? Trademark Rooney, free kick. Credit where it's due, really. I mean, Koku changed the system. He went very defensive. Goodness me. 5-4-1. And, and in the first half, they couldn't get out of their own half. It wasn't very impressive, but but they held on. And what, what did impress me was the way that the Derby players stubbornly stuck to the game plan. They didn't change. They They, they followed orders. And in the end, Norwich kind of ran out of ideas in the game and they yeah they, they took their chance Derby when when it came right at the end so well done to Derby um, on the Norwich angle I think they play some lovely football still they, 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 they're gorgeous to watch all this all this triangles through the lines football it's really slick Skip and Rupp look good in central midfield but 
It's it's not a surprise, is it anymore? It's not a surprise. We, we, every, I think when they got promoted, they kept catching teams off guard. It was like, oh, what's going on here? But we all know how Norwich play now. We know about Puki. We know about Buendia, Hernandez, these guys. And I just think that they're, they're being easily negated and, and that might be a problem for them. They've got Hugill on the bench. He came on and almost scored. I think he could be the the man really to to unlock a different looking Norwich. They they need a different uh, they need a plan B. Don't don't rip up plan A, but just have something else up your sleeve would would be my advice to to Daniel Farker moving forwards because they've become predictable. I'm just wondering whether the Daniel Farker project is coming towards the end. Just when you look at the bigger picture, I think they've only had something like two wins in their last 19 league games. Of course, that goes back to their Premier League season and the relegation. But also in the meantime, I think they've been quite limited with their recruitment and they're some of their strongest assets evidently exiting. Ben Godfrey gone this morning, confirmed to Everton, which is salt into the wound, I suppose, after the weekend. Um, question mark still over Cantwell. Aaron's Buendia openly saying that he wants out. Um, so I'm, I'm just not sure how much more time Daniel Farker would get with the way things are going. But again, perhaps they're a bit like Watford. They might just need this deadline day to come and go and a chance to properly regroup over the international break a bit and settle as a unit. Mm, The Daniel Farker project. Good group, heavily influenced by Mm -hmm. Kraftwerk. The penultimate championship game we're going to look at. Coventry 1, Bournemouth 3. Dan Gosling cooking Cov's goose here and then waxing lyrical about it afterwards. Yeah, I I just struck the ball and yeah, went in. <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're after extra panelists on the show this season, Dan. If you uh, want to come and give us some more words of wisdom, we should uh, get him and John Yemmers on. Get him and John Yemmers on at the same time. That'd be cracking. Yemmo was back on form this weekend, actually. Um, but anyway, Bournemouth, Clarky, what what, what yeah. difference have you seen in the cherries under under Jason Tindler as opposed uh, to Eddie Howe? Well, re- really impressive. I, I watched this game, and it seems a long time ago now on Friday night, and uh, it, they just look a really well coached team. And I'm not saying that Eddie Howe didn't coach them well, but he kind of ran out of ideas last year in the Premier League. He was scratching around. He was trying this, that and the other. Seems like they've got a very clear identity this time around. Three at the back and it, it worked. It, it was very solid. They didn't give Coventry, who are a good side, Coventry. They couldn't lay a glove on them, really. On and off the ball, I thought I thought Bournemouth were, were terrific. They knew exactly what they were doing. The midfield was was brilliant. And and they did they did this without Brooks, without Dan Juma, who's been good early on this season, without Josh King, who's off to Fiorentina, isn't he, or somewhere somewhere fancy like that? So so yeah, I think Tindall's doing an, an outstanding job at the moment. And um, based on that performance and the other bits I've seen of them, they look pretty much nailed on. I would I would guess for the for the playoffs. They've got a lot of talent there. Uh, briefly on Middlesbrough to Barnsley 1. Gerhard Struber continues to be linked with a move to New York Red Bulls. Emma, why would anybody choose Brooklyn over Barnsley? I know, why would they? What's not to love about Barnsley on a Tuesday night? When Watford got relegated, that's what I was looking forward to the most, Matt. Tuber <laughs> <laughs> um, Akpom, Clark, he, he scored in this game. Two in two for him now. You said that he wasn't going to be a starter. He, he just mm. might have, have played his way into regular contention. Definitely, yeah. No, I think he's proved a lot of people wrong in terms of his goal output, but, but it is early days. I mean, history throughout his career says that he's not that prolific. I do, I do like him as a player and a 
I praised him up a couple of weeks ago in terms of what he can bring, but I did think he'd be competition. Um, but look, at the moment, it's working with him and Asombalonga. So yeah, good luck to him. And and Bara needed it, didn't they? They they were desperate for that that win. And and I think now they can start to look forward to the to the rest of this season with with a bit more confidence. Um, just yeah, I, I think they're a good team and that they'll be there or thereabouts. Don't know who they'll get if he if he does leave Sam, but but assuming that Struber does head uh, stateside, it, it might be another season of struggle for Barnsley. Looking at the way things have started for them, yeah, could, could quite possibly. Um, the last thing they'll need is a, is a new manager. Obviously, I thought it it kind of had to happen last season. I just thought they were so all over the place, so attacking under Stendhal that that kind of replacement had to be made, and uh, he's done a wonderful job. I think. Like Stendhal before him, the people in the community have really taken to him. Um, he's got a clear identity, the way they, they they play. And yeah, he wants to be back, doesn't he? He doesn't want to be fighting relegation each season. He said as much post-match at the weekend, I think even pre-match. So he's kind of flexed his muscles uh, towards the, the owners and the, the people in charge there and said, it's not really what I'm about. So fair play to him because you should be ambitious. And um, yeah, I think with his... Uh, characteristics as a manager you know he could go on and have a really successful career given better resources right let's get some odds on the championship courtesy of our friends at paddy power abby i noticed you've written some forest slander into this particular bit of the script i'm just going to skip over that and ask you who's set for a top six finish according to the bookmakers uh well there are four teams who are odds on to be in the top six they are brentford bournemouth watford and norwich no surprises there that's backed up by swansea who are six to five and bristol city who are five to four and reading who of course we've spoken about being unbeaten are seven to five uh, and how about relegation? Who's who's the favourites for that as of October? Well, Wickham are most likely to be relegated according to Paddy Power. They are one to eight. Uh, that's then followed by Sheffield Wednesday, twenty-three to ten. Rotherham eleven to four, and Nottingham Forest are eleven to two. Eleven to two to get relegated. They were twelve to one last week. Mm, rude. All right, that's the championship done. League One. See you next. This season, the Premier League's going to be a little different. But at Paddy Power, we're trying to look at the upside. Avoid unnecessary journeys? That's Fulham's trip to Anfield off. Self-isolate? Some midfielders do that very effectively. Avoid European travel? Shouldn't be a problem for Everton fans. When you think about it, not that much has changed, really. New normal? Same old football. Just like Paddy Power's Acker Cracker. Get a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude. Shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams. League One headlines. How late is too late to postpone a match? Well, Oxford v Crew called off less than an hour before kickoff. Carl Robinson said it's wealth before health in football right now. Uh, in terms of games, Lincoln and Hull perfect atop the table. 12 points from 12 for them. Hull yet to concede a goal. Fleetwood, though, lost their fourth match on the bounce. And harness yourself in for this stat. Marcus scored the first League One hat-trick since New Year's Day as Pompey beat Burton. Curtis for Portsmouth to the feet of Harness. A quick turn in the penalty area. Marcus Harness, what a magnificent way to seal a hat-trick. Harness, wonderful quick footwork. And then a brilliant finish, dinking the ball over the goalkeeper. 
And we'll get to the actual games in a moment, but this Oxford v Crew postponement demands our attention. The game, as we've said, called off less than an hour before kickoff after Crew's Omar Beckles tested positive for COVID. Used boss Carl Robinson followed Clarkie by going in two-footed on the PFA. He said, it might be nice if the PFA phoned us and actually came down and checked our protocols to make sure the players were safe, but that might be a little bit too much hard work for them. Uh, Emma, we've heard Adrian and Sam's take on this in, in recent weeks. What's what's your view on the, on the mess that we see at the moment? Oh, it's a shambles, isn't it? I think first thing and foremost, though, I do feel for Oxford United following Busgate. They've now got to deal with this uh, game being cancelled. I think the main issue is the EFL are saying each each case has to be judged on its own merit. So they're not necessarily calling the games off. They're leaving it in the hand uh, the hands of the clubs to to take control here and. With the fixture schedule already being so tight as it is, I think the only spare Tuesday they have to play this game between now and towards the end of November is the 13th of October. And you think on the face of it, unfortunately, due to the nature of this virus, Omar Beckles is likely won't be the only person that's infected once they've done the test today. Um, So realistically, will they get that game played on the 13th of October? Probably not. It is just a mess, isn't it? I think unless there is some kind of rigorous testing like there is further up the leagues and the PFA, the EFL, don't do more, we're just going to keep getting these problems week in, week out. Yep, it's a sorry mess for sure. In terms of the games that took place at the weekend, Burton 2, Portsmouth 4. Burton twice took the lead before a Marcus Harness hat-trick got Pompey their first win of the new season. Uh, we ought to give some praise to, to Portsmouth then. Every time they want to change their jacket, the forecast improves. Doesn't really work, does it, as a as a metaphor that. Um, but Sam, it was an important win for them nonetheless. Really important victory. I don't think it was, was perfect, but I think to get some more creativity and goals in those forward players is really important. Uh, I think Jacobs has made a bit of a difference since, since coming in. He's got great pedigree at, at League One level. I think he hit 10 and, and 12 his last two League One campaigns. So moving forward, he should be important. But yeah, all about harness at the, the weekend, the... The goals got better. The second one was unbelievable. Little back heel and then and then the third, as Adrian described in his um, performance of the week, spiel. Unbelievable goal. One of the best goals of the season so far. And player with such great uh, ability needs to be doing that more consistently. And yeah, I thought it's a bit of a patched up defence. You know, last year, not a great deal of games between them. Uh, Watmore was obviously injured, missed loads. Lee Brown didn't feature regularly. Um, even the goalkeeper was out of uh, favour towards the end of last season. So I think that's why there's still defensive frailties. But I suppose um, for the Portsmouth supporters, it's just about backing it up now and getting another result to, to prove that the season started really and that Kenny Jacket can focus on his job without all the noise that surrounds it. But yeah, a much, much needed victory. Yeah, Burton just one win. They've got an inexperienced manager in Jake Buxton and a very leaky defence that's already let in 11 goals. Uh, plenty of goals too at Bloomfield Road. It finished Blackpool 2, Lincoln 3. Lincoln scoring twice in the final five minutes to continue their 100% start to the season, leaving Michael Appy as his current charges bested his former employers. Um, Clark, you were you were full of praise for, for Lincoln last week and, and I guess that's going to continue this week. Absolutely, yeah. It was um, it was that man Lewis Montmer again that came up trumps, wasn't it? Right, right at the end of the game to to steal the points. They've just got the bit between their teeth at the moment, Lincoln. So yeah, that's a terrific result against a a Blackpool team that are I don't know very attack minded on on paper, but it just hasn't 
hasn't clicked for them yet. CJ Hamilton is, is doing the business, but in terms of goal output, not a lot else for them to, to get excited about at this stage. But yeah, Lincoln, they just feel like a bit of a juggernaut at the moment, especially from set pieces. Very, very hard to, to play against. Sam, there was a lot of excitement about the appointment of, of Neil Critchley as, as Blackpool manager. It's not happened for him yet. We've been talking about giving bosses time, I guess, given you know that he's, he's not had much experience of working with a, a senior first team. It, it's unrealistic to expect that it would all have clicked into place straight away. Yeah, but I think there's clear identities with both of these sides, actually. They, they shared possession. I think we're talking about two of the most expansive footballing sides in, in League One this season. Um, I think we've seen for, from Blackpool that they're going to try and play through the thirds and, and Adrian's bang, bang on there. They've got so much attacking talent, but what they haven't done is brought in enough defensive reinforcement. So I, I think a centre-half would been very much on his agenda this week, uh, given what happened at, at the weekend, which was a, a real game of two halves. Blackpool better in the first half and, and Lincoln, I think with Bridcup running the game really at the base of midfield, um, really dominated after the break. So I think two good teams, two good teams who maybe have gone under the radar a little bit because there's a new manager in charge at Blackpool and because Michael Appleton does his best to say, no, we're not going anywhere this season. We're not favourites. Well, I'm sorry. You start the season in this fashion, they're going to be up there. And with um, Morton to come back as well to supplement um, the threat of Hopper, I think they've got a good chance of, um, you know, being right up there this year. Good start for Brendan Johnson as well. One of, one yeah. of your own. Um, on loan from Forrest, isn't he? Winning two penalties. So, yeah, again, you've got to say that Appleton, has, has, it looks like he's nailed the transfer window. I think, I think a lot of his new signings have, have hit the ground running. Yeah, Brennan Johnson, by the way, I mentioned this last week. He's, he's the son of David Johnson, the former Forest striker. His name is Brennan because David Johnson's best mate at Forest was Jim Brennan, the Canadian left-back. Uh, that, that's the kind of insight that Caroline couldn't have brought you. Hey, he's fascinating. Um, Supposedly unbelievable on a night out, Jim Brennan as well. And so too David Johnson, not that they ever invited me. Um, Rochdale beat Fleetwood 2-1. Adrian, you were looking at this game for us. Uh, Rochdale doing all right for for the supposed relegation favourites. Yeah, they kind of needed the win and and they thoroughly deserved it. Eight shots to Fleetwood's one on target. And they only had 37% possession in this game, Rochdale. And and they're known, of course, for for making the pitch big and, and knocking the ball around. They did it. They played some slick football, but not... They didn't have possession for possession's uh, sake. And, and one of their goals also came from a corner. So they're, they're showing that they've got a little bit more, maybe more strings to their bow this time around. Um, the keeper came in at the last minute. I think Jay Lynch, the first choice, was was attending the birth of his child. So they had the youth keeper in, Ben Chowton. So so let's tip our cap to him. Had a decent enough, a decent enough game. So yeah, look, Rochdale, I think, are an attacking side. Averaging 13 shots, I looked ahead of this podcast, which is right up there among the leading lights in the division. So, so they're going to cause opposition teams problems like they did Fleetwood in this game. It's just, can they, have they got enough steel, Rochdale, and quality, I guess, to withstand the rigours of a long, arduous League One season when, when the winter sets in? That's, that's the question mark. As for Fleetwood, I think they're going to be fine, but... But it's not a great start, is it? They're not defending corn as well. 
they're, they're leaking too many chances and, and they, they're failing to, to really put teams to bed. So plenty for, for Joey to think about. Do you think, Emma, they've lost four games in a row, Fleetwood. Do you think it, it gets more difficult for Joey Barton than other managers in his position because of his reputation? He's not exactly a universally loved figure <laughs> in the game. People be a bit quicker to kind of jump on his back at, at the first sign of trouble. Absolutely. But, you know, it's his funeral, isn't it? You can't come at people like that over the course of your career and then as a manager as well and not expect <laughs> to get it back when people get given the opportunity. Uh, so, yes, I do think he's probably in for quite a, a tough time, but perhaps... You know, justifiably so. <laughs> nice. He's good mates. He's good mates with the boss, isn't he? I think the the owner or the chairman is is a, is a great pal. So he's gonna have to do really badly, I think, to get the bullet. I really uh, fancied them to win at the weekend, but just looking at the team now, Adrian, we think how good they were defensively last year with Suter and the Everton loanees, and that's obviously where they're lacking because the forward line's unreal for for the level. Madden Camps, who was arguably Rochdale's best player, we along with Henderson, Mackay. And Chad Evans, I mean, they're going to be fine going forward, but it's probably about getting the balance right defensively. Abby, can you give us some odds on League One? Who Who's the favourite to, to win it outright, the title winner? Who do you think Paddy Power have got as most likely to win League One? Sunderland. Yes, that's right. It is Sunderland 3-1. to one. That's followed by Ipswich, who are 9-2, to two, and Hull, who are, of course, unbeaten, and 5-1, to one, the other unbeaten team, who we have been waxing lyrical about, are Lincoln. And I think Paddy Power might have been listening to Michael Appleton because they're way back at 16-1. to one. Everybody's listening to Michael Appleton. OK, League Two, you're next. Listeners, we want to tell you about Scoot, the new lift-sharing app for friends who love football. Scoot connects teammates who drive with teammates looking for a lift. So whether that's a trip to training, a -a five-a-side kickabout in the park or a visit to the pub to watch Super Sunday, Scoot auto-calculates the costs, splits the fares and collects the money via the app so there's no haggling or chasing cash. Scoot is also 80% cheaper than ride-hailing or taxis and, especially these days, isn't it nicer to share a car with no more than five of your mates than get on a bus with strangers? Download Scoot today on Android or iPhone and get £15 worth of free rides and drives as soon as you install it. Even better if you send an email to help at scootride.com saying The Athletic sent you, you'll get an additional £5 after your first drive or ride. Go on, get your boots out of the boot with Scoot, the Totally Football Shows and The Athletic. That's Scoot, S-K-O-O-T, the new lift-sharing app for friends who love football. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League Two headlines, Bolton's first win since February, Owen Doyle finally getting on the score sheet. Uh, anybody predict a top two of Newport and Morecambe four games in? didn't think so. Exeter got their first clean sheet of the season with a 2-0 win over Cambridge and Grimsby v Bradford was postponed because of the old CV coronavirus. Harrogate 1, Bolton 2 is where we're going to start though. Everybody's favourites, Bolton finally ending their 13-match winless run after the aforementioned Doyle and Nathan Delfonso got their first goals for the club as they beat Harrogate Town 2-1. Um, Adrian, we've spoken this season about how tough it's going to be for Ian Everett not only to integrate all these new players into the club, but obviously he's new to the job as well. But first sign of things coming together here? Yeah, I think it was a big week for him because he's under massive pressure. And I think from what I'm hearing, there was there were words said at Bolton on the training ground. That there's talk of a, a big sort of clear the air meeting, a boot camp during the week where the players have, have run 
run their knackers off and and they've they've basically said right we're gonna have to scrap our way out of this it's a back to basics approach none of this fancy football lark let's just work harder than the opposition and and start to build some kind of uh, team spirit here because it's very it's very new for everybody isn't it they've just been chucked together and they want to play a lovely brand of football but it does it doesn't work like that you need relationships you need partnerships on the pitch and they haven't got them at the moment so they've concentrated on 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 the basics and and it worked they did they did a good job didn't have much of the ball against Harrogate they had less way less than 50% possession but but they scored good goals Doyle, Doyle was looked back to his best great volley at the near post from a corner, and then there was a turnover, which I think is where they they, they might have a lot of joy this season. Doyle turns it over, lays in Delfonso to to score. So yeah, huge huge win for Bolton. I'm not not saying that everything's fixed there, but it feels like Ever probably has has made his mark this week. Missy Joe, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Morecambe won Port Vale nil. Sam Morecambe second in the table with a goal difference of minus two. Are they any good? It's good fun, isn't it? Um, <laughs> this is the hopefully the easiest analysis I do all season. Um, Port Vale had seventy percent of the ball. The most Morecambe have had in any fixture this season is just over forty percent. So Morecambe did their homework. They sat in. They allowed the centre halves to have the ball. They stopped Joyce, who's been dictating play for them. Uh, from dominating and prizing the opposition open. And it it worked a treat. It forced Port Vale into going long and they got Cullen up there leading the line. So maybe we're talking about Port Vale who've started great, having needing to have a bit more of a plan B. That might be the reintroduction of Tom Pope, who knows. But yeah, I thought Morecambe created the better chances, played on the counter, uh, got themselves a really debatable penalty. Uh, and took the point. So it was a, a, a game plan well executed by Derek Adams' men. But if you're asking me if they're going to be up there, negative. <laughs> Just like their goal difference. Uh, now then, earlier on, I caught up with the 61st longest serving manager in the EFL. That's right, listener. It's Barrow's David Dunn. Here he is on taking over from Ian Everett, pandemic life in League Two and much more. David, first of all, it's it's been a, a while now since the season started. How how are you settling in as a club back into life in the EFL? Yeah, you know it's um, it's been an interesting time, as everyone knows. But um, you know, in, in terms of a club, you know, going back to pre-season was quite difficult at times because we were we were training in small groups, as as all the clubs were. You know, you find a way for it to to work and. Um, yeah, we've had a we've had a decent start. Probably should have a few more points, but generally happy. You know, the club's happy to be back in the in the league after such a long time out. And um, you know, we've had a, a reasonably good start playing against some some strong teams in the league. And how about you personally? Because obviously, normally when a manager comes into a club, it's because they haven't been doing very well. But but you came into to a team, you know, at its highest point in in years and years. Did that make your job easier or more difficult? Well, the expectations are a little bit higher, obviously, but um, no, of course, it's. Um, I feel you know, Ian Everett did a, an excellent job last year in guiding them into the uh, to the football league for the first time in what 40, 48 years or, or whatever it was. I think it was. Um, so yeah, he's done a done a great job there, and with a really good group of players and a and a really supportive chairman and board that that have backed them. So, um, you know, they've been great with me since I've been in the club. Everything I've kind of asked for 
that's been reasonable. They've uh, they've backed me, so it's it's been a good couple of months, really. David, obviously you've gone into Barrow at League Two level. When you see the likes of Frank Lampard and, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer get top jobs at, at Premier League level straight away, pretty much, is there any resentment there? No, it's it's exactly where I am. You know, it's great that them guys have got their opportunity at a at a high level. You know, good luck to them. But again, you know, it's it's equally important that I you know work hard and try and do the best for Barrow and hopefully. Um, get them up to the, you know, up the leagues, you know. So, um, you know, who knows where it can take because, you know, it's happened many times where clubs have, have had a couple of years stabilising and then um, and then gone on and, and got promoted. You know, I only have to look down the road at, at John Coleman and Jimmy Bell at Accrington who have done absolute amazing job at Accrington. You know, I feel that you, know, you always need a little bit of time you know, and I think if you're given time, then you can you can really put your imprint on where you want the club to go. And you know, it's only a short short time so far, but um, you know, I've really enjoyed it, and I've been really grateful for the support everyone at Barrow have showed us. What's it been like managing a League Two club in the midst of a pandemic? It's got to make training difficult. Your preparation for matches, obviously, you'd have been hoping to to lean on your home support back in the EFL for the first time in a long time, and and that's not been possible. It's you're sort of working with one hand tied behind your back at the moment. Yeah, but again, you know, I'm not going to be negative towards it. It's it's the same for everybody, of course. You know, every every club should I say has has different facilities. You know, we we train at a college, which we've got to be. Uh, it's a little bit challenging, you know, in terms of the, the the students. We've got to segregate ourselves. We've got to be careful where we're going, and you know, we don't bump into them constantly, you know. But in terms of you know, around the sports pavilion where we we obviously get changed is we've got to be right. And to be fair, the college have been really supportive with that. And again, you know, getting people out. You know, with people on furlough, you know, getting the grass cut, you know, just tiny little things that you know, have a huge impact really on on us as a club because we're trying to make it as professional we, as we can. You know, we, we've obviously come from non-league and we need a little bit of catching up to do, uh, which the which the club are prepared to do. But it sometimes out of your hands and you've got a, like you said, you've got a little bit of your, got one on time behind your back at times. But yeah. It, it is what it is and there's a lot of other clubs in the same position as us so um, we've just got to make sure we prepare the team as best we can and and um, hopefully that leads to having some good results on a, on a Saturday. Have you had much support as a club from, from the EFL and how about yourself personally from, from the LMA? Have they been in touch? Yeah, I've spoke to the LMA quite a few times. You know, I know the PFA also have have been speaking to the players. So, um, you know, in terms of the AFL, I don't really have too much to do with that. I leave that to the to the powers that be above me. And um, that just gets filtered back to me when, when it needs much, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I think we're, I think some would argue otherwise, but, uh, you know, I think, the, you know, certainly the LMA is a, is a and, and certainly as a player, when I was, you know, playing the PFA was, a really supportive um, organisation and a really important union for football players, in my opinion. I know some would argue, but they've always been very good with myself, and I can only speak to um, I can only speak about how I found them. And more latterly, going to the LMA, another really good union that 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 gives loads of good support and have and has done for me over the over the past three or four years. 
Whilst we're talking managers, you obviously played under some with incredible amounts of experience, Sam Allardyce, Graham Sunes, Steve Bruce. Are these people who you've lent on since, since you've come into management and, and have you kind of taken things from each of them as you've gone along? I know Sam was, a, was an innovator in, in terms of the, the, the science behind football, if you like. Yeah, I spoke, I spoke to Sam last weekend or two weekends ago, should I say. So I just had a really good chat with him. You know, I, I think all the managers you've you've mentioned. You know, I, I think if I if I feel the need that I need um I need the their advice on anything, I think that they're only a phone call away, which you know puts me in a really privileged position that I can I can call them really experienced managers to to try to guide me as well. Uh, and obviously, I've got Rob Kelly with me, who's also a really experienced coach and manager as well. You know, he's just been over to Germany for. With Dusseldorf last season, so you know a wealth of knowledge right by my side as well, which is 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 equally just as important. Last one before we before we let you go, what's what's the aim for Barrow this season? I, I guess with newly promoted clubs, survival's always the, the the first target. Are you looking at anything beyond that? Do you know what? It's a really it's a, it's probably the question I get asked the most. For I expect it. Listen, I, I I feel that when you get promoted as a club, you have momentum which is obviously really important and you can carry it into the next season. But I find ourselves not really having the momentum because we've been five months away from football. So I feel Harrogate might have a little bit more momentum at the minute from coming up from National League because they had the playoffs in between, which give them a couple of games where they could you know, get back together and they've been training again. And then they got the adulation of obviously getting promoted promoted at Wembley which is amazing for for Harrogate you know but I think with a club like ours yes we got automatic promotion straight up which was you know a great achievement but it seems so long ago so in terms of expectations I would probably say I want to just be competitive to be honest now where you want to put competitive is is up to you but um, I just want us to be a competitive team in the league you know we've got 14, 15 new players, which takes time for, for us to gel. But the way we're going, the what I've seen over the past um, month, once we've started playing games, is is really promising. And um, I'm looking forward to what, what this season brings. David Dunn, Barrow boss there. Uh, he says he just wants to be competitive. It's been a struggle so far though, Adrian. It has, but, but they've been involved in tight games. So I don't think there's anything to, to panic about. They're, they're pretty tight at the back, um, but they're not scoring that many goals. But from, from the bits I've seen, they've, they've missed a lot of chances so far. So no, it's not it's not panic stations. It's it's a strange one for them. They, they come up as champions and then they, they end up with a, a new manager. So it's, it's an odd, odd situation for them. They, they're trying to play football. But but there's a balance, isn't there? And I think in, in League Two, you can't just knock the ball around and uh, without hurting people. You've got to have a bit more penetration. So look, they'll be learning on the job. From what I've seen, they're, they're prepared to mix it. They're quite an aggressive side, Barrow. So so we'll see how they go. Again, a little bit like, like a lot of these teams, like Bolton, we just talked about. Loads of new signings. 12, I think, done made on my, on my spreadsheet. It may well be more... Than that, so so yeah, twelve new signings is a lot to bid in at once. So yeah, but Barrow, I think, will be fine. Uh, Abby, while we're talking about Barrow, can you can you wheel out some odds on them, please? Dreadful. <laughs> Abby wrote it. <laughs> Jim Davidson. <laughs> odds on Barrow. I, was, I thought it was a really funny joke. 
For Barrow to be promoted, they are way back at 16-1. to 1. What about Morecambe to get promoted? They are second in the league, but they are 10-1 to 1 to be promoted, which is well down in the uh, rankings. At the moment, it is Salford City who are evens uh, as the most likely to be promoted, along with Cheltenham, who are 9-5, to 5, as are Exeter. All right, that's just about it for this week. Before we go, though, in honour of Neil Warnock's 1500th match as manager, uh, we'll have your favourite moments involving the big fella. Adrian, tell us your favourite Neil Warnock anecdote. Well, I don't know about anecdote. Um, Well, no, it is, I suppose. I I did a... When I was doing some stuff for TalkSport, pay-per-reviews, he was there, sat next to me. and, And, yeah, at the end of it, at the end of it, when they went to the ad break, he goes, he just turns to me and goes, you're all right, you. You're all right. You, you, know, you, you know your stuff. And I, and I took that. I took that. And then he, he sort of added the caveat, makes a cheers around this place. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I thought that was quite, I thought that was quite nice. I'd never come across him. I mean, I think I'd played against teams managed by him, but I don't think he really knew me. And, um, yeah, at the end of it, I'd got the sort of, sort of semi-Warnock seal of approval. So I was, I was chuffed to bits. You ever interviewed him, Emma? I haven't actually. I haven't had that privilege. Um, the closest I've come is when he's been at Watford in the opposing dugout, which is colourful, uh, to say the least. <laughs> Obviously, he has a way with words, doesn't he? But I think my best moments for Neil Warnock are actually when he doesn't say anything at all. So that standoff he had with the officials after that Chelsea defeat when he was Cardiff manager, sorry, as Cardiff manager, there were two massive decisions in that game, weren't they, that went against him and he made it known at the end. And then also with Cardiff, when they're in the thick of a relegation battle, when he honed in on the BT camera, well, I think it was BT, when he honed in on their camera, quite bizarrely. Um, yeah, cut that to uh, Bittersweet Symphony by the Verve <laughs> and you've got a gift that will be doing the rounds for the end of time. It's a bittersweet symphony that's um, Sam, you've brushed shoulders with him pre-pandemic, so it was fine in the EFL on Quest studio. Uh, you must have some good stories. Well, I'm not going to get all um, emotional about it because he's wound me up something rotten over the years. I've not agreed with all of it, um, but I thoroughly enjoyed his company for that uh, that day at Quest. He was you know, really open, uh, some really good stories. So, yeah, really enjoyed his company. I suppose I loved the bromance with Adele Tarrapt above anything, just getting the best out of him. It must have been brilliant to be at the training ground at QPR that season and seeing how Clinton Hill and Sean Derry were having to bite their knuckles to not say anything and not explode at this bloke who's not running about. But I thought that was genius to get the performances. And I think above anything else, I like his loyalty to his players, like Harry Redknapp and Crouchy and Herman Haridison and Nico. Warnock with Brownie and Tongy and Paddy Kenny and all those lads he took to every club he went to. I find that quite endearing, his, his loyalty. Um, and I suppose just the way he says me after everything. Um, I like him, me. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> I, I've grown to like Neil Warnock much more now. And I don't think I used to used to like him, but but yeah, I, I think he's a, just one of the warmest managers. And, and when you... Most press conferences are never worth watching, are they? Really, let's face it. Um, but with Warnock, it's a bit different. He's always got something pretty interesting to say. So, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's turned out to be quite a good egg. All right. Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. You've got a couple of weeks off now with the old international break. Have you got big plans? Uh, no, I mean, usually I'd be at Wembley on the mic, but 
with there being no fans, um, there's no need necessarily to have two stadium announcers. So pretty quiet couple of weeks. I am keeping the five live seat warm for Mark Chapman next Saturday, um, but that's probably the highlight between now and um, Friday, the 16th of October, when it all kicks off again. Uh, Watford go to Derby County. Yuck. Uh, Sam, Adrian, Stella as ever, thank you to producer Abby too, and mainly to you, listener. George and Ali will be here with the Turkey Football League show Extra Time on Thursday. Join them for that. We'll catch up with you next week. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. Muddy Knees Media.